There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Michael Reed on LMFM. Good morning. With much debate and discussion from now till 11 a.m., this is Michael Reed on LMFM. Before we begin, a word of warning. The content of our first report today is not suitable for young ears, so you may wish to adjust your radio if you have children listening. As adults, it is our duty to protect children at a time when play, learning and development are as important to them as it is for them to feel safe and have a sense of security in their lives. Scouting, many have believed, has been similar to schooling, providing an outlet for children to play, learn and to develop in a safe space. It was fun. It brought a discipline to young lives and allowed children to develop skills that embedded them into their communities, instilling a civic duty. A scout's honour is to be trusted. A scout is loyal. A scout's duty is to be useful and to help others. A scout is a friend to all and a brother to every other scout. Scouts help one another regardless of the differences in status or social class. A scout is courteous, polite and helpful to all. A scout is a friend to animals. A scout obeys orders. A scout smiles. A scout is thrifty. He avoids unnecessary spending of money. And ironically, in the context of the discussion we are about to have, a scout is clean in thought, word and deed. The Catholic Boy Scouts of Ireland and uh, the Scout Association of Ireland merged to form Scouting Ireland in 2004. Yesterday, Scouting Ireland made a full organisational apology for the neglect, abuse and rape of young boys over a number of decades. The young scouts, which society believed were being taught to be clean in thought, word and deed. A report published yesterday found that the Scouts in Ireland were organisations run by men, interested only in themselves, paying little attention to the young people involved. Men who had a sexual interest in young people, rose to positions of power and influence on occasions and controlled any fledgling accountability processes, preventing known offenders from being removed from scouting. A report on historic abuse in scouting by Ian Elliott says child sexual abuse was tolerated at the highest of levels. The crimes of those who preyed on children were covered up in order to protect the reputation of the scouts. Ian Elliott's report also finds evidence of groups of sex offenders who operated at the top of the organisations, the men in these groups protected each other and facilitated child abuse, making it possible for them themselves and for others 
their mates to abuse and rape young children. Maeve Lewis is Executive Director of the One in Four organisation and she's on the line with us this morning. Good morning to you, Maeve, and thanks for joining us. What do you make of Ian Elliott's report? Good morning, Michael. I mean, I read the report yesterday when it was published with the growing sense of I'm feeling sick, actually, at, at what Ian Elliott um, was um, was showing had happened um, in scouting organisations going back to the 1960s, 70s, up to the 90s. Um, I mean, it is an astonishing account of how sex offenders um, were involved in scouting, how they rose to leadership positions, how they protected and supported each other, and how this was possible because of this incredibly dysfunctional organisational culture, so that even scout leaders who were not sex offenders actively suppressed uh, concerns that were reported by young boys or by their parents and, um, you know, facilitated sex offenders to remain in position. And that attitude lasted long after, I think, a breeding ground for paedophiles through the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, as you say, but there was disregard or little interest, if you prefer, in the seriousness of these crimes as recently as 2017? No, I mean, you know, there, there appears to have been absolutely no sense of the priority being the welfare of the children who were involved in scouting. Um, everything hinged on protecting the reputation of the organisation. I mean, in a sense, I suppose I, uh, I had... Um, a sense of deja vu reading this report yesterday because it's quite reminiscent of some of the reports we read 10 years ago into sexual abuses in the Catholic Church. So it, it is very, very concerning. And I suppose our our thoughts today must be with all those boys who are now men who were sexually abused, who have carried the impact of that trauma into their adult lives, who are still suffering I just can't imagine how angry many of those people must be, um, having read the report, to realise that their um, their their well-being was not um, at all a priority within the organisation, and indeed that even when known sex offenders were operating in very senior positions, uh, no efforts were taken to stop their activities, and that there are many many men today who were sexually abused who could have been saved from that trauma if only people had acted um, as responsible adults within the organisation. And they were subjected to nightmarish uh, abuse, it seems, but uh, when they complained, at least uh, on occasion, uh, it was like being in a a horror movie because uh, they complained uh, about a a paedophile, somebody who had sexually abused or raped them, uh, and on some occasions those complaints were passed on to sexual predators. Absolutely, because the sexual predators were operating at the very highest level of the organisation. Um, so many in leadership positions did have a sexual interest in children and supported and protected each other. The report accounts one um, responsible leader who attempted on several occasions to have a complaint that a child had made to him uh, taken seriously. And he was passed from Billy to Joe um, he was responded to quite angrily, why are you telling me this? And no action was taken to remove that person from um, 
you know, from the position mm. of authority that they were in within the scouting organisation. And uh, as you say, uh, it, it was known within the organisations. Uh, there's uh, accounts of uh, people being told to keep some of uh, the scout leaders uh, away from the boys when they were out camping and, uh, and that sort of thing. And it's very clearly evident that people didn't act and were still that they covered up uh, on occasion. The report details uh, the experience of, of four boys and indeed the people who offended them and how their complaints were dealt with. And one of the offenders was a prolific sex offender. And Ian Elliott says that he appeared to be relieved when it was finally disclosed that he had been doing this. Yes, um, Ian Elliott gives, gives four accounts of um, case histories, I suppose, from, from that time. Um, but even in that case, no effort was made to pass that information on to the Gordie. It was never a criminal investigation. The person was allowed to leave Scouting Ireland mm. and indeed possibly um, became involved with another youth organisation mm. um, without the authorities being informed or without that person having to face um, a criminal justice process. And this isn't 100 years ago. Uh, this complaint was made in 1995, uh, which uh, is well within living memory for a lot of us. Uh, and we're not talking about the dark ages. We would have thought of ourselves as a progressive society at the time in 1995. But in 1995, when this complaint was made, one of the scout leaders got very angry, apparently. Yes, and, and reacted really badly to... Um, it was another scout leader who was attempting to bring this information to the attention of the senior leadership within the organisation and the person to whom he made a report reacted very angrily and basically said, why are you telling me this? The whole entire culture seemed to be um, that the um, good name of the organisation took complete priority over any concern for the safety of young people. Mm. I think that's uh, very evident in what we're being told here. And when that particular complaint was made, uh, it had to do with a 10-year-old boy who'd been uh, subjected to sexual assaults over a three-year period on at least eight occasions. And uh, the same man in 1995 had concerns uh, about other leaders in uh, the scouting movement who were abusing other boys. Uh, There was all kinds of problems, uh, including the fact uh, that somebody who had been convicted convicted of child abuse, was working as a scout leader. I mean, it it, it is just unbelievable. The numbers are unbelievable too. I mean, Ian Elliott has identified um, at least 275 men who were actively abusing boys in those years. I mean, that is an incredible number. Mm. And they're just the numbers of people um, where some records exist. I mean, the other finding in the report is that record-keeping was utterly chaotic. Mm. Um, A lot of records were kept in the homes of scout leaders, including scout leaders who were sexually abusing children. And many of those records have been destroyed or have never been recovered. And it seems intentionally that they brought these files home so that they wouldn't be discovered by the authorities. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it, it beggars belief. It really beggars belief. And the four abusers that are, are discussed in this report have all been deceased. They've not been named in the report. Uh, that's of concern, obviously, uh, to the people who were abused by them. Uh, but there are reasons uh, for that. Uh, and uh, there are some ongoing investigations, as I understand it, the Guardian investigating some of uh, the complaints in relation to this. But a, a lot of uh, the people that we're talking about stood down uh, on their own volition and 
in great honour. There was a, a guard of honour at one of uh, the funerals for one of uh, the leaders. Yes, I mean, you know, can you imagine the message that was sending to the boys who were abused? Um, as I said, the entire culture seems to have focused on protecting the good name of the organisation. You know, it is a very, very sad and um, disgraceful tale. Um, you know, and, and I mean, there are many people out there listening this morning, I'm sure, who had very good experience in Scouting Ireland um, and, uh, you know, retain, hold on to those experiences to this day. But for the boys who were abused, I mean, the, the 356 survivors have been identified. Mm. Um, I would... I am quite sure that the numbers are higher than that because they're the people who've actually come forward and made allegations. And, you know, there must be huge concern about what sort of support those people are going to be offered. Um, You know, Scouting Ireland has set up a helpline that people can ring. I mean, I do not consider that to be adequate. I would consider, I mean, and we've had men contacting us at one in four who would have no trust in Scouting Ireland in being able to provide that sort of support. So, Serious investment needs to be made in setting up expert, um, independent services for the the men who have been abused and who have carried this trauma uh, with them into in, into their day to day lives now. And I suppose the other um, disturbing thing, Michael, is that Ian Elliot highlights that you know all is not well still in Scouting Ireland. Um, you know he talks about the lack of good governance, which is being addressed now. But he talks about there being evidence that there is still a culture mm. of frustrating uh, the process of holding people accountable um, right up to the present day. Um, and that um, there is an over-reliance on volunteers in terms of child protection. Mm. One of his recommendations is that the organisation must employ a team of professional professionals um, who have expertise in child protection to put in place a really rigorous and transparent child safeguarding regime. And I think it's also really important that Scouting Ireland should today hand over all the records they do have to the uh, TUSLA Child Protection Services, but also to the Gordi. Um, some of the survivors are very unhappy with the report because it doesn't name names. But, you know, even the statutory inquiries into the Catholic Church, names were not uh, named there unless the um, abusers had actually been convicted of abuse. So there are all sorts of legal reasons why you can't name alleged offenders until they've actually been convicted in a court. Um, but, you know, after the Murphy report into the Dublin Archdiocese um, back in uh, 2010, I think, when that was published, um, the Gardaí then put in place a special um, uh, a special group within the Gardaí to investigate all those allegations, and many people were brought to justice as a result of that. So I think that would probably be much more effective than a statutory inquiry, which probably would not um, be able to uncover any more information than Ian Elias did um, in this, you know, mm-hmm. um, very impressive report. Mm. And very graphic report, uh, very indeed. Graphic report. Yeah. OK, Maeve, uh, for the people uh, who uh, were in the Scouts uh, and may be disturbed by this report or people who've uh, experienced uh, abuse of uh, another sort, uh, one in four is uh, there, I, I gather, if uh, people wish to talk to somebody. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that was what I, my message to anybody this morning is to reach out. You know, there are, there is expert help available um, regardless of what context you were abused in. 
people are welcome to contact one in four and our number is 016624070 or indeed the network of rate crisis centres around the country um, also are able to provide that expert support if people wish to talk to somebody in their locality. Okay. Pleasure to talk to you and thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Maeve Lewis, Chief Executive Officer of One and Four and just to repeat that number for you, it's a Dublin number 01 Michael at lmfm.ie